Hey, um, a little cold open here to this episode. As mentioned on the episode, we recorded it late Friday night. Since recording it, um, co-founder of Night in the Woods Studio, Infinite Fall, a designer, programmer, composer on the game, uh, Alec Holoka, has died. Uh, His sister announced it uh, via Twitter, and um, she doesn't specifically mention the cause of death, but alludes to suicide, and... um, Alec comes up in this episode because of the abuse allegations that were made against him and many people, um, many of the abuse allegations, we talk about all a lot of it this week's episode. Um, but if you or someone you know is thinking about taking their own life, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. It's... Um, it's difficult. It's it it is difficult and our condolences to his family and to those grieving and um big big issues and important topics are oftentimes the hardest to discuss. I still think our conversation on this episode is worth having. Um but I did want to start it with this. This was um It's hard. It's hard. So if you or a loved one or someone you know is struggling, please reach out to them. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. Okay, here's the episode. There it is, hopefully. I haven't put it in yet, but hopefully you're hearing it, and there it is. Did you hear it? Was it there? Oh, I hope it was there. When that face drops in, you know it's time to begin. Welcome to DLC episode 302. My name is Christian Spicer. I am, uh, there's no Jeff. If you listen to 301, you know there's, there's no Jeff. He is recovering from what was emergency eye surgery. He is doing well, um, as far as I know, unless something drastically changed between uh, right now and when I last got a check-in. But follow-up appointment, things like that they're going well. That is awesome. Very excited to have him back and in good form. If you haven't, head over to his Instagram, and you can see an amazing uh, solid snake impression. That's also just him post-surgery but it <laughs> he looks good he looks good but fear not the show is pressing on and is going to be a good one because when jeff's not here and and it's just it's just me running the ship it's like what am i gonna do what are we gonna who am i gonna turn to how are we gonna have such a great show uh and there's only one person to go to one person that could carry the torch of talking about games that otherwise would never get talked about on this show the people's champion himself Mr. Anthony Taramina, editor in chief of GameRant.com. Anthony, hello. I really thought you were gonna um pull a fast one on me. I thought you were gonna, you know, say that person is Adam Sessler and then say, but we couldn't get Adam <laughs> Sessler. And so here I am. But I'm here. Yes. Although, Adam, 
Adam's here. He's just on mute. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry, Adam. I apologize. But yes, yeah, I'm he here. He doesn't get to talk, but he's here. Adam is here. Yeah. I am here to um, do my usual job of something is not right in the world of DLC. Uh, in this case, Jeff's eye is not right, but it's getting better. And hopefully it is getting better. Yeah. Hopefully it's back to 100% strength. And then I can return next time something else goes wrong. Like you need to record a <laughs> podcast because it's Halloween and you, your kids needed to go out trick or treating. And you're like, can you do the podcast? And here I am. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point too. I should note that this episode, you're likely listening to it on Labor Day. If you're in North America and you're probably hanging out, you know, barbecuing with friends and all that good stuff, family. We are actually recording this later at night, Friday night, ahead of the long weekend. So if there's any breaking news that happened over the weekend, sorry we missed it. And also I should say that this show is brought to you completely free, the way we love it to be, by our sponsors Brooklinen and DoorDash, who are bringing that show to you completely free. So thank you to them for making this show possible. And um, yeah, Halloween. Let's see. I, I guess it's Halloween on Monday, Anthony. Is that? Does that I have no you? idea. I was. Yeah, I'm, I'm available. I don't have a kid just like you, you know. And, and also, you know, there's no uh, there's no big gaming event this weekend or anything. It's totally just a regular weekend. No PAX West or anything. It's totally normal. But so. I so that's the problem. Yes, we are recording early and I do appreciate uh, you doing that. I am on the road this weekend. And uh, it makes it harder when Jeff's also away um, to do a remote show for me. But also, um, well, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this since we're kind of talking about a story, but it's like a story that's not a story. We're gonna start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Um, okay, so story of the week. We're here. We're talking about packs. It is this weekend. It's kind of yes pre pre showing right now. Do you expect big news at packs? Is this it? Like, um, I mean, people listening I, already I, know the answer to this. Yeah, but. I feel I feel like the only thing that I would expect from PAX that's like historically been part of PAX has been Gearbox announces stuff. And especially with Borderlands 3 coming out in like two weeks, something like that. Yeah. That, but they Friday afternoon, they started talking about their end game stuff. So they actually released their news like. It's kind of like E3. Everything happens up front and then the little panels happen over the course of uh, the weekend. And those are more for like fans to just kind of hear the people talk. I was just making a joke. Yeah, we got the news. (laughs) I think we got the news. I don't really. uh, Yeah. And if not, uh, sorry, Uh, if not, sorry, I do love PAX and and I I wish I was there, but I could not be there this weekend. Um, But I bet it'll be an amazing show for everyone there. But Anthony, yes, as my guest. Yes. You get first pick. What is your uh, story of the week? Feel free to add. I know there's some stuff I didn't have here on this doc that's kind of going off. So anything on here or something that's, you know, top of the mind for you? What's your story of the week? Uh, Well, I mean, I know what the story of the week is, but it's a very tough topic. And the remake of Aladdin and Lion King. Yeah. Like, how could they only do one version of Aladdin? And how could they think that the originals were not perfect in the blockbuster era of making games for children unbelievably difficult (laughs) how dare they use modern tricks to make things easy and then for us to realize how bad these games are i mean if sekiro doesn't have a rewind function i don't want it in my lion true you know i'm gonna mod i'm gonna mod 
Lion King to make sure that I grab onto all of those uh, giraffes and swing across the hippos and whatever. Yes. I have both of those carts uh, and I still play them fairly regularly. Um, uh, Aladdin on Genesis and Lion King on Super Nintendo. You know, the way uh, video games intended. And uh, that is not your story, though. That is a story of the week. But no, yeah, that was I a, mean, the, a curveball. We're, we're kind of, you know, dancing around it. It's it, there's been some tough stories this week about abuses of power in the industry. Um, some really awful things happening to various members of the industry from people in power and people that are colleagues or were thought colleagues. Um, I don't know if you, you know, what specific examples we want to cite, but. It's rough. It has been a um, emotionally um, demanding week in video games. I would say there's this tweet from Virtual Jess that I I liked, and uh, it's hey, high industry harassment and systemic sexism is a direct result of regular dudes in games not taking a stand because they don't want to lose their friends, jobs, or network. It isn't bad apples; it's the barrel that holds them. And if you listen to the show, you know that Jeff and I and Anthony and, and you know, we don't shy away um, from topics. And this is certainly one, especially, after, you know, that tweet and some of the stuff going on around it. I don't know what I will add to this conversation um, as a cisgendered straight white man, other than it needs to be talked about. It needs to be talked about until it doesn't need to be talked about anymore. And yeah. I, I, I fear that is going to be a very long time. So I don't expect me to have an answer or a solution or advice or anything else, but I do think it is important to step through these allegations that uh, came out yeah. this past I, week. I think just because it's difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Yeah, I think more than anything, we need to uh, get to a place where, because I, I think whether it's the the people that came forward or this or that, we need to get to a place where we just believe people whole cloth and then start working through it and not just because we are we are in a place where a lot of allegations came forward and the majority of people did support but there was a ton of people as well questioning that either because of the person who came forward or just because of uh the the ramifications of those allegations like for example uh, the night in the woods developer canceled its next project and people were more upset about the cancellation of a project than the, you know, what was being said ab- about uh, members of that mm-hmm. dev team and, and things like that. Like, I think we need to, I don't know if this was true uh, ab- about, um, you know, Hollywood stuff, but it seemed like there was a little bit more accepting of the cancellation of, projects or or the removal of people from things versus here it's there's a lot more resistance and i think that's a problem yeah i think i think the me too movement in hollywood was also met with resistance from people that um you know either are in denial or don't want to believe it or don't believe it or are fans of the work that um these individuals created um, it's, it's the, you know, the argument of separating the art from the artist and, and that whole thing. 
And to kind of walk through some of these, I think there is an excellent series in it. I don't want to say it sucks that there were so many because I I am glad that these things are coming out. So I'm not trying to say, oh, it sucks that there are so many of these articles and so many of these stories this past week. That's not what I'm trying to imply is that I wish people wouldn't talk about these. Um, I wish they these things didn't happen. Um, but gamesindustry.biz had, in my opinion, a, a great um, kind of series of articles and handled it um, really well and, and highlighted it with the, the, the weight that I think it deserves. And so some of these, um, uh, basically more developers came forward after some things came, uh, other individuals in the gaming industry came forward. You mentioned Nine of the Woods, um, basic, uh, based on the allegations that Zoe Quinn made um, for Alec uh, Holaka. I don't know how to say Alec's last name. I apologize. Or, um, oh, Scott Benson and Bethany. Huckleberry cut ties with Holaka because of that, and they're going to handle the property alone now. And Night in the Woods is a game that spoke to so many people because of the serious subject matter that it also dealt with, with depression and loneliness. And um, it's 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 tough, right? Where like you have this game that is so dear to you and then to find out that a person who was intimately involved with making it was and or, or still is um a garbage can and 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 zoe talked about that in their um kind of writing about it where they talked about you know the the backlash of like toward the game like i know this is going to be hard for people who love this game but that doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about these things and it's difficult, right? It, it's difficult to have something that you've loved for however many years now and then questioning the experience that you had based on the people who made it. Yeah. You know, I, to me, that 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 is difficult. Yeah, I, I think there, yeah, there's like two layers. There's the layer of the fans of the property and those that are concerned that these allegations will hurt whatever projects are being made. And the other element is the i mean you know for better or worse there are people that have um you know preconceived notions about allegations that come come forward and i i think it's usually for the worse and so the fact that it came from zoe quinn has has a lot of people not doing what they should which is believing these allegations and then moving forward and 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 letting each company handle it themselves and not trying to like you know immediately write it off because it is it is concerning when you just say someone's name and then you say something horrible and they see that person's name and they immediately write it off like it's mm-hmm. it's it's rough it's something that like i don't know I, we we i hope I hope that we can get to a place where everybody feels comfortable enough that they can can come forward with whatever has happened and then we can start to get to a place where things are better for everybody because though we might assume everything's awesome at a at one developer or the next as we've learned over the last year or more you know even some of our favorite developers 
have issues. Even a Naughty Dog has potential issues. Even a NetherRealm Studios has issues. They might be on, not on the level of um, abuse, but in some ways it is abuse. Um, you know, with crunch culture and this or that and and how small the industry is and how people feel like uh, you can just easily get in, get written out of it if you do one mm-hmm. wrong thing. You know, like we just live in in a time of of gaming where the the like opportunities are so scarce in in almost every facet from developing to pr to games coverage and journalism there aren't i mean we just saw it with you know game informer things are are dwindling not growing so the the fear about hurting that or upsetting the status quo and then being blacklisted is so great for so many people that they're afraid to speak their truth and we need to get past that. Yeah. Whistleblowing in general, right. It's hard to, to stand out in that regard. And I think when you add in um, sexual assault and abuse on top of that, um, statistically the, the, the difficulties with coming forward there and um, the repercussions you face for doing so, it is certainly not an easy thing to do. And again, I, I don't, to our listeners, I'm not proposing that Anthony and I are going to solve this here today as we talk about this, but I do think it's important to talk about and think about. And, and personally, I think inclusion goes a long way toward rectifying things some where you have all voices in the room at every level, as many as possible. And then someone, hopefully it's not, you know, you don't fall into a situation where it's a boys club or boys will be boys or all homogenous, like-minded people looking the other way at yeah. something. And so to kind of roll through these, not to, not, not to say they're not important, but just to put them out there. Uh, and, and these are all, I use gamesindustry.biz stories for this. Um, uh, Autumn Rose Taylor, who's now the marketing director at Alchemy Labs, uh, said her first experience in the games industry involved being hit on by developer meetups, harassed, belittled for being a young woman, touch inappropriately. And she later said... Um, uh, that uh, Oculus VR co-founder Michael Antonoff, um, while she still had the helmet on in VR, um, put his hand uh, up her skirt while she was in a VR demo with the headset on. And as you talked about, Anthony, like she was very young in, in the career then. And here's someone who is the co-founder of Oculus. Uh Yeah. Alexis Kennedy uh, from Retaliation Weather Factory, co-founder, accusation of Red Queens. Uh, I'm bad with names. I apologize. Meg Janeth um, and fail better as Olivia Wood. Um, also mistreating others uh, from Alexi, Alexis Kennedy. Um, and, and then you get into this back and forth. But the idea is that uh, Alexis used her reputation and association with prominent women plus minorities as a cover for his predations and abuses, Janet said. The only way I can protect people from further harm is to state this publicly and explicitly. And then there have been uh, warnings, multiple warnings, toward um, Ariel Arely Brighton uh, accused Jeremy Soule of sexual misconduct, who um, uh, has worked on some scores we all know and love, I'd imagine. Um, uh, uh, Skyrim among others and and then 
they have people demanding proof like oh prove it yeah um which speaking just as me uh i feel like that's never the helpful answer (laughs) someone stole my car prove it prove it someone touched me inappropriately prove it prove it i I think i think the phrase you know guilty until proven or innocent until proven guilty gets thrown around and that's you know as you know as a former uh, practitioner, former lawyer, no longer legal. Blah, yeah, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, yeah. <laughs> that that is in a courtroom. That is not. That is not how. Um, you know, that is not how employers should view their employees. They shouldn't. They shouldn't go well. It's it's upon you to prove this to me. You know, it's upon you to. Uh, to provide sufficient evidence and then we're going to look that's not how this should work especially in cases like this where almost across the board every person that was accused had at least one or two other people saying yeah i have my own example of this person assaulting being inappropriate or whatever there wasn't it wasn't like any of these were felt like isolated incidents um it yeah. just yeah it's rough and and on top, on top of that I feel like there is so much of this, like we're, we're willing to turn our mindset on a developer really easy when they make a poor choice or a mistake in a game, but we, we mm-hmm. can't change like Bethesda puts out fallout 76 and it's widely, uh, criticized and then all of a sudden Yakuza seven has turned yeah, based like, combat. We're, we're so quick to <laughs> do on that, but then like, you can't change your mindset when somebody says like somebody related to a company committed an actual crime. You're, you're more willing to turn against a developer or a publisher because of loot boxes than sexual assault. Come on, get over yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a heady, heavy start to uh 302. Um, unfortunately, I think we have many episodes that start heavy and um, I think it's because these things are happening and they keep happening. And um, I'm going to want to keep talking about them and bringing them up because um, it is the least, <laughs> the least I can do, you know, the, the, the least yeah. I can do. I, I, you know, I speak, I speak as somebody outside of the DLC brand, but I think that you and Jeff have put forth a product that people need to be able to face these kinds of stories. And there are a lot of, you know, publications that, I mean, I, I work for one where you have to skirt the line because there is a lot of stuff that cannot, um, cannot be covered in the way that you would want to cover it because there is a lot of concerns. There's a lot of, of red tape there or sticky situations. And I think you and Jeff have created a platform where you can discuss these things and there can be debates about those things. And the people that um, work in the industry can, can engage with that on these forums when maybe they cannot in, in their regular lives. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, our iTunes reviews certainly reflect (laughs) listeners loving this. Um, But uh, also to our listeners, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Um, discussion is great i love discussion hop on the subreddit discussion is great uh yelling either 
inflammatory things at people, whatever your viewpoint, um, I will ignore it. <laughs> Discussion I will engage with yelling and uh, bickering and just not making a point or having a civil discussion, I, I will not personally <laughs> engage with. Um, yeah, as promised sure. on episode 301, where I pick uh, Jeff's story of the week, th- it'd be this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he typically picks last, but there's no way that this wouldn't be his story of the week um, this week as well. There's just, there's no way. There's no way this wouldn't be it. There is other stuff happening, and we can transition into maybe maybe lighter lighter fare. Um, something that I wanted to get your take on, Anthony, is, and this is maybe out now-ish, I guess not, maybe not till September 9th, but the new Resident Evil project will be uh, revealed before TGS. That came out. Internet detectives found uh, thumbnails or images originally just from YouTube video thumbnail yeah, grabbers. Um Boy, are, are they just is it the rush to make sure everything is set up has superseded the care for the preciousness of a surprise? Yeah, like last week, <laughs> the whole people pulled out all the thumbnails from the Mortal Kombat reveal trailer, and one of the thumbnails was literally the release dates and the headshots of every character, which looked great, by the way. And would, yeah, you absolutely, but. <laughs> Well, I think in the case of Mortal Kombat, it it was bad for them because their release dates were not what people were expecting in the order next week. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a year after the game comes out for the most anticipated of the guest games. Good game. Good game. But 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 in this case, it's it's a little different. It's just screen. It's screenshots that kind of like you can speculate on and and uh it doesn't give anything away per se, but you can kind of like maybe draw conclusions, but yes. So they, yeah, they keep doing this. <laughs> they, they keep putting, I mean, it's, it's almost like this is part of a marketing plan. Like <laughs> right. Like somebody writes the dots and one of the dots is we're going to upload the <laughs> file. And then we, we believe within, uh, within five hours somebody will data mine the update and we'll pull out this so that will have retention rate of conversation around Fortnite for two more days <laughs> before update because you know maybe i mean do, like, do you think someone at capcom was like oh man do you hear it happen in another realm that sucks anyway time to upload this uh project resistance trailer boop <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, you think that, no, but it's like for somebody who has been covering Destiny for almost six years, I cannot tell you how many things have been spoiled because they put the information in an update before the thing comes out. I mean, the Shadowkeep reveal was spoiled. The Forsaken was spoiled. Destiny 2 content was spoiled because they updated the beta you know you could preload and you could so it's just like at some point you have to like wonder are they just doing or is there no better way like you have to have everybody be able to see this thing you want to have it on youtube you want to test it because you don't i mean maybe that was what gearbox tried to avoid with the borderlands 3 reveal um whatever that was pax east um and they you know were trying to stream a 4k thing off a thumb drive through a laptop because it wasn't uploaded yeah, somewhere that's true so is that is that is true that is true that maybe that's that's you know the other side of the coin is yeah if if they don't do that then we end up with a situation where everybody's mad for 
it just it blows my mind like it blows my mind for me as somebody who you know my business strives on leaks and things like that it's great i love it but at the same time to be fair, for your business is a, fan, is a, you are a uh a leak plugger is your ear is what you do for yeah. correct essentially yeah. yes we plug the <laughs> leaks but not in the way you might think but you know like it it just you you wonder you wonder but anyway back on track resident evil project resistance yes. is a thing it's gonna get revealed september uh, 9th september 9th. Well, probably before that as it gets further leak revealed yeah <laughs> uh it'll be we'll probably know exactly we'll probably know what the trailer looks like in yeah days, it, as but... someone reads it but the, as of right now it's recording this they will have a reveal at pre-tgs and then or you know their conference and then um people on the show floor will be able to watch members of development team show off gameplay for the first time. Um, and, you know, kind of the rumors are what people are speculating off of the images is that it looks maybe similar to um, Resident Evil Outbreak. But then I saw on a site, GameRant.com, um, oh, heard of is that. this Resident Evil 3? Did, are, is, is Capcom being coy? Is this a mode in RE3 Remake? Is there is there more here? Plug these leaks, sir. What's going on? I mean, yeah, it it seems like so initially it was a bunch of screenshots and it showed different characters, um, Spawn, Terminator. (laughs) No, (laughs) just, you know, like more than one person and nobody that people recognize. So they was like, okay, well, this seems multiplayer. um, uh, But, you know, it, it. I don't know. The outbreak wasn't very successful. So you're wondering, like, why are they going down this road? Like every Resident Evil multiplayer thing recently has not been great. So you wonder, like, why? Why are they doing this, especially in the same year that Resident Evil 2 remake came out and was like a huge success? With a year contender, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, a a individual on Twitter, uh, Aesthetic Gamer, uh, went on a, a, a long kind of diatribe about it. And yeah, uh, he essentially said, I'm pretty confident that th- this is either a spinoff or is just remake three. Um, so take that what you will. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to say, say this or that and, and try and build up their clout as they say. Yes. Um, but but there's there's no question about the leaked screenshot or thumbnails. Those are real, and there are people. So it seems like there's a multiplayer component. Yes. The the thumbnails don't show anything that we believe is remake or or RE3 Nemesis remake. So whatever this is, it's either part of the remake and it's its own thing, or it's it is a, a, like Outbreak, a multiplayer or co op thing. Yeah. We'll find out more. Speaking of building your cred, I can officially reveal that I am cast to play old, but not too old, um, young, but not too young, middle-aged, but still spry, um, Nathan Drake in Uncharted 7, the movie, um, which has a a date of, um, it's going to launch December 2024. Um, So I'm excited about that. That's an exclusive. You heard it here first, Uncharted 7, the movie. It's called 2-7 Uncharted 7 um coming out 2024 okay go on yeah other other little news bits 
Uh, we can just kind of move through quickly the NBA 2K20 trailer about the My Team uh, mode, which is just gambling. Um, is uh, wow, uh, slot machines, uh, generic wheel of fortune. <laughs> yeah, uh, for for a product <laughs> that last year was under strict scrutiny and was seemed like it was going to be the tipping point, and the loot boxes are illegal thing. They sure did not dial it back. They made it worse. Honestly, like, and it has like some uh, very cool, like approachable gamers kind of highlighted in it that are like, it looks like a twitching, like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, I got LeBron. Like watching that trailer or that commercial, it could have been a key and peel sketch. Like all the, they just needed to be, those people needed to be a little more outlandish, but not a lot. Like how would you write a parody of this of this ad and it is it is the ad it's like card packs oh wow cool well it's something even more loot box we could do that i don't know plinko a plinko machine yeah we got that what about uh, a slot machine no they would never do a slot machine slot machine um yeah, yeah. if you haven't watched uh, it yeah go watch yeah, it. i mean it, it, there's nothing else to say but nba 2k20 is adding gambling <laughs> they're not adding what you might consider gambling in the form of loot boxes. They are adding straight up gambling. Straight up. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Disney Classic Games Collection, Aladdin, Lion King are coming to console and PC this fall. Um, there's going to be multiple versions of some of the games, but no SNES version of Aladdin, alas. But uh, yes, it will have like a definitive edition of Aladdin and also apparently the CES version that uh, was a showstopper. Back in 1993, the trade show won a bunch of uh, awards and won people over. And I think it was like, what, the second or ended up being like one of the best selling Genesis games, I think of all time, maybe that year. But it really, it blew people away, the animation and and what that game did. That was announced. It's coming out. Sony uh, Tokyo Game Show plans. uh, Surprise, no press conference. They're kind of keeping that trend going through 2019. They do have show floor space where they will have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Neo 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which Sony Interactive publishes in Japan, and some PlayStation VR demos, but uh, no big, no big uh, presentation. Is this just uh, same old, same old, or should we continue to read into this? Anthony is is trouble. I mean, I, I think I think that they cannot, they cannot do any sort of formal presence in the press conference, whatever because they've already said a new PlayStation is coming. Mm. You know, I, I think you can't stand up and death, talk about all the things that aren't that yet. Yes. It's, it's, you can't. Well, I, I think that there's a, there is a carefully considered plan that involves a last of us part two release date. Never heard of it. <laughs> and I think that any opportunities to uh get around that or um or or to open up i don't know more speculation to that is is and i mean in the same way they are sort of doing that right now but they're i think they just march 35th is when it comes out i can officially announce that march 35th well so next month is there is outbreak day which is a uh i think i think it's like the 26th of september they'll probably get a trailer we do know that they showed a new trailer at the gamestop expo yeah yeah, it's i think it i think it's more just a case of like 
it's like when news happens around a celebrity and they cancel their appearance on Jimmy Fallon. You know, they, they you just you just don't you don't want to invite the potential, even if it won't happen. You don't want to invite the potential of like coming forward and saying, well, here's our press conference. Here's, you know, uh, go to Shishima, which we don't want to talk about. Yeah, you know, like they're they're yeah. not ready to talk about any of the things. If they show more Ghost of Tsushima or they show more Last of Us, people might say, well, that looks too good for PS4 or that doesn't look like it's ready. That doesn't look like that's coming out before the PlayStation 5 is out. Anything like that. Yeah. I mean, we were doing it with Death Stranding and they said, guess what? It is coming out. <laughs> um, yeah, so, touche. you know, like I just... I understand why they want they want to avoid it. At the same time, Microsoft is like, whatever, we're just going to talk about all of our stuff, mostly because they have Gears 5, and that's yeah, that's a big title for them, whereas Sony's next big title is assumed to be Last of Us, and they probably don't want to say anything about it. Yeah, so or Death like, Stranding, but yeah. yeah. You, you know, where, whereas Microsoft can kind of deflect and say, well, we got this and we got that, uh, Sony doesn't have anything. Sony's things are not Sony products per se. Yeah. You know, like Sony's going to come out and tout other people's games during their press conference and then turn off the lights and say, thank you for coming. Like we do not want to answer any of the questions that you want to ask us. Goodbye. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just, that's a good point. Uh, those are our stories. You can always submit yours at dlcfeedback at gmail.com or you can hop over to the subreddit and chime in there to join that community and hang out. We are going to transition to the playlist talking about the games that Anthony and I have been playing. But first, I need to thank our first sponsor, Brooklinen, which you've heard Jeff and I talk about before. I am sure because you spend one third of your life in sheets. Don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? And maybe, you know, it's still hot you're sweating, it's time to switch up your sheets and get those duvets and you want something breezier, lightweight, and soft, you can check out Brooklinen's newest linen collection, which comes in a beautiful assortment of colors. They've got 3,500, over 3,500 five-star reviews, more than any other online bedding company, half a million happy sleepers and counting. It is uh, what I sleep in every night when I'm at home and I love them with my whole heart. I love them with my whole heart. Uh, it's always fun to when you change, it's like, oh, these sheets are great. And then you, you know, you have to wash your sheets from time to time, right? That's what I say. You take them off and then you're like, oh, those are such great. And you're like, I have another set. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's always, it's always nice to realize that you don't have to downgrade um, just because you have to wash your sheets. That's uh, what I love about it. It's having multiple sets of Brooklyn. And so I'm always sleeping comfortably. Uh, their mission is to make you comfortable. That's what they want to do. Luxury linen sheets and robes without the luxury markups. Um, beautiful, airy linen pieces that give your bedroom a chic, relaxed feel while providing you with the ultimate comfort. They've got 12 beautiful linen colors and patterns to choose from. And linen, it's in their name, so you know it's good. Brooklinen's newest linen collection is amazing. I couldn't recommend it more. For graduates, newlyweds, friends, or family, or treating yourself to the bedroom upgrade you deserve, brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just to our listeners. You can get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. 
The only way to get 10% off your first order and free shipping is to use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code DLC. Brooklinen, these really are the best sheets ever. And with that, it is time to turn it over to the playlist, where Anthony, once again, you get to go first and... Talk about a game that you and I texted about and mm. you almost got me to play that I'm a sure game listeners... that you had never heard of when I had mentioned it to you. <laughs> Shut your face, Anthony. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure our listeners have been chomping at the bit because it is uh, kind of like Outer Wilds, um, a surprise, maybe game of the year, take over the universe kind of game. I- I don't know about the game of the year, but it's... It well, I had really, heard about it, so it, that's all I wanted yeah, to say. Yeah, it really consumed me. It, <laughs> we're talking about this game called Remnant from the Ashes. Uh, it's made by Gunfire Games, the developer that put out Darksiders 3 or resurrected, resurrected Darksiders 3. Um, the similarities are, are very, very small, but... Um, Which Darksiders 3, I think, is what? PlayStation Plus this month? You might be right. You might be right. I think it is. I think it is. Um, So Remnant from the Ashes, uh, the reductive pitch of it is it's Dark Souls with guns. But it is a lot more than that. It's um, a third-person combat game, mostly focused around being a third-person shooter. Uh, It has a uh, procedurally generated... Uh, series of worlds uh so the basic makeup is you enter uh these kind of biomes so you start on earth so for example you go into earth you have this uh, pseudo open world area that is procedurally generated it's unique to your world uh you can play in up up to three player co-op so somebody can join your world and their version of earth if you join theirs would look different than yours um, one Interesting. Of the, one How does it affect difficulty? Um, so th- the way it it looks at difficulty is, I think the enemies they scale to your kind of item level. So mm. um, as you as you upgrade your gear, the game looks at the level of your gear, and I think it I think it relegates damage to each person differently. So interesting. And and I was playing with another friend who was further behind me in terms of certain things, but surprise someone further (laughs) behind than you. It it never, it it never seemed like I was dragging him along or I was carrying him or he wasn't equipped. I think part of that maybe just has to do with the fact that the game doesn't have a true leveling system. You gain experience. And when you gain experience, you get what's called a trait point. And as you play, you gain these different traits. Uh, Sometimes you get them from beating a boss. Sometimes you get them from doing specific actions. So a good example is if you're playing co-op a lot and your teammate dies a lot, um, you can revive them and you you, uh, can heal yourself or revive using this item called a dragon heart. Dark Souls fans would better know it as an Estus flask, but it's a... uh, Oh, you mean a dragon heart. (laughs) It's an item that you heal with. And then (laughs) uh, when you get to a save point or a checkpoint, also known as a bonfire bonfire to Dark Souls fans, your uses of that dragon heart replenish. So anyway, if you're if you are reviving your teammate a lot, you'll get a trait (laughs) called uh, revivalist, I think. And it it's it's 
scales one to 20. So each time you put a point, it goes up by one and it will increase the, the time it takes or or decrease the time it takes to revive. So like different Mm. actions you do will give you different traits and then you put those points. So you're never really like the, the, uh, the points you're putting in, they can increase your health and increase your stamina, but it's not like raw damage or, or, or anything that really like drastically changes the game. So somebody that's got rank 200 and has put 200 points into, into anything is not terribly different than somebody that's rank 30 and has put in 30 points because huh. you're not, um, your your damage is more relegated to upgrading your weapon and and upgrading your weapon you're usually on the same on the same level with a lot of people um it that is its own thing that's material based so you just pick up materials but anyway i'm getting off track with with yes yeah, so so far this doesn't necessarily and i probably distracted you but this doesn't like yes it has some similarities to souls but to me souls games are one single player yes and two all about them boss fights. So, okay. So, so the, the open world, you, you go through the open world, there are enemies, they're usually kind of melee based enemies. Some of them have a ranged attack, but it is, it is a kind of idea of like one hit takes a lot of health and mm-hmm. there's a dodge mechanic. So you, you're doing a lot more than just kind of sitting out there like you would in a traditional third person shooter. And your aim is going to just win you the day. So it's more of, you're going through the areas cautiously. You're trying to suss out enemies. You're trying to kind of uh, aggro one or two at a time and kind of pull them to- towards you. And if they get too close, dodge and in that anyway. So off to the sides will be dungeons. And these dungeons are their own uh, procedurally generated area. You go through them. There's different enemies. There'll be materials and you'll find items through throughout them. And it's what's cool about it is the items are also completely random. Uh, they are, they're typically relegated to the biome, but for example, you and I could go through the first dungeon in my world and find uh, a cool pistol. And then if we went into your world, we could go through all of your dungeons and never find that pistol. Um, Is that cool? Or not well, cool? I, th- I think that's cool because <laughs> like it encourages like matchmaking. It encourages what you can do is completely reroll your world. You can start again from, from, from zero. So it encourages like replayability. I think it's like it, it, it gives the game, I think a a greater shelf life in my opinion, but it's cool. You go through the dungeons and then when you complete the dungeon, you get a boss fight, uh, similar to finding the items, the boss fights in my dungeons could be different than your dungeons. There's usually a handful of boss fights, um, for each biome some that are guaranteed to happen because they're like the main bosses and some that are random. Some they're called world world bosses. So I might see a boss in my, at the end of my dungeon and you, we play in your world and we never see it. So that's also really kind of like a opportunity to match, make an opportunity to replay, to see the different bosses. But yeah, like you said, dark souls is all about the bosses. And I think that remnant has, really cool boss fights. They have different mechanics. I think the final boss in the game has the coolest series of mechanics that are almost like, um, MMO raid like, um, in that there's like more of a puzzle to solve. The other ones are, are a little less about solving a puzzle. They're kind of just like juggling, um, different phases of like attacks and things like that. 
Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that I think the game does really interestingly and kind of encourages co-op is that the boss fights on their surface seem pretty easy. Avoid the boss, shoot the boss in the head, shoot the boss in wherever, and the boss will die. But at certain phases, the game will send out basic enemies at you. So then you're kind of juggling this idea of, okay, I've got a bunch of enemies to deal with. I can kite them around. I can kill some of them and then do a little damage to the boss, or I could clear all the enemies and then focus on the boss. I can do various things. And it kind of makes this risk reward that you associate with Dark Souls of like, I'm just going to bait out all these attacks and wait for the right attack of the boss and then do the damage I can and then wait again. You know, it's kind of like uh, wait and then attack, wait and then attack. And I think Remnant trades the waiting period to managing ads, basically. Mm. Um, And I think that makes the boss fights really fun. I highly recommend playing it in co-op. The fights are a lot more fun. Um, it, it, it is well balanced for playing solo. I don't think there's anything wrong with playing it solo. Um, but I think playing co-op is really fun. If you have a friend that you can get on, uh, you know, a party chat with or two friends that you can get on party chat with, you will go through this game and find all kinds of cool stuff. And then you'll think to yourself like, well, what did we miss? I want to go into your world. And I, I want to go into, you know, I want to go into Mike's world. I want to go into Joe's world. I want to see like what's different. Um, yes, yeah, so I was going to ask is, well, two, a couple questions. One, this is a pay to buy the game kind of game. Not yes, a free to play. It is, it is $40. It, there's no microtransactions. Okay. There's nothing, um, as far as I know that you can pay for outside of just buying the game for 40 bucks. And then it has, it sounds like it has a narrative end. It does. Does it also yeah. have an end game? Like, so once you achieve your narrative end, is the goal just to get better weapon and see other bosses because you enjoy the gameplay experience? Basically, so yeah. So the, 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 when you come, there is an end, there is a final boss. When you complete it, you can re-roll your world and then you can play it at a different difficulty. Um, or you could just okay. re-roll the world, but the game never, um, does it doesn't have like a general progression it always looks at where you're at so the first area is earth like i said and if you beat the game and you start back at earth the enemies will be just as difficult as they were in the last level as they are in earth um and the rewards you will get will be comparable to you'll get upgrade materials that will further progress your weapons relative to what you have now so uh, a good example of that is um as you upgrade your weapons um which again are completely random you'll find you know you'll see one person with a cool weapon you could maybe look up a guide um and say like oh this person has this really cool weapon how do i get it and it'll say well you get it from earth and you say well i did all of earth never got it (laughs) it might convince you to like replay it anyway um you know, you start off with like basic upgrade materials called iron, and then there's forged iron, galvanized iron, hardened iron. And so like, if you're, if you're all your gear is at the level where it needs hardened iron, when you reroll your world and start over in earth, you're not getting iron again, as your starting material, you're getting hardened iron everywhere you go because the game knows where you're at. So you're never, you're constantly moving forward and you can up the difficulty. Um, 
you know, you can do various things to like encourage that replayability, but there is no end game in the sense of like, I've beaten the game and then I go back. Once you've done all of the dungeons, the bosses don't refresh or anything. The enemies do, but there's no really reason to go back through if you did everything. If you did every dungeon, yeah. every boss, you reroll the world and you might get different bosses and and different things like that. I think I think that the narrative is a little convoluted like Dark Souls is, but it, it's really hard to sell people on it without seeing it. I highly recommend watching like a stream or two um, to really see what it's like. It's got so many different aspects that are really, really addictive. I, you know, when I play Dark Souls, the progress is always just get to the next boss or over level. So I'm ready for the next boss or whatever. Right. But this, it was like, I didn't mind going back and going through just joining random people and seeing what their dungeons look like, seeing what bosses they got and seeing what items might pop up in their dungeons because it was, it could be different than what I have. You know, it was an opportunity Mm -hmm. to get new loot. It was an opportunity to even get just the upgrade materials. There was nothing that felt, um, like pointless you know how you might play something like destiny and you haven't played destiny in six months and i'm playing with you and i'm getting nothing this is pointless mm-hmm. i'm just helping you and i'm doing nothing mm-hmm. it, it it always felt like no matter who i was playing with whether it was a friend who was behind somebody on my level you can just say me it was it was me <laughs> it was you <laughs> no but <laughs> uh it it always felt like both people playing or all three people playing were getting something out of the experience no matter what. And it was never too easy or too hard um, to progress. And yeah. I, I don't know if I would have, if I would have tried this game, if not for just watching a little bit of it and was like, wow, this actually seems neat. It didn't, the title is kind of generic. It doesn't really have yeah, remnant. Say it again. Remnant it, the from title? the ashes. Remnant colon from the ashes. So, and I feel like it came out of kind of nowhere. I feel like it wasn't on a hype, you know, no. train for a lot of people. And it it seems like it's picking up steam now. And everything I've read about it and seen about it, it seems very positive. So, and it seems like you're loving it as well. Yeah, I think I think if you're a Dark Souls fan, um, it won't give you the strict Dark Souls. Um, experience but you'll find a lot of similarities and i think um if you're the type of person that just like likes to do something that's a little less than mindless third person shooter it's it's got it's got a lot of that going on awesome uh what else is on your playlist sir all right we're we're going through it so uh i played through the whole of the dark pictures man of medan uh, I finished it yesterday. I, I've heard lukewarm. Um, yeah. So it's from Supermassive Games, the same developer that uh, created Until Dawn, the kind of uh, cinematic sleeper cult hit. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it depends on who you ask. A lot of people, you know, say it's it's more movie than game, but um, a lot of quick time events, a lot of you know, uh, walking simulator esque aspects, but sto- very story driven, very acting driven. Um, and this game is in, in the same vein. It seems like what essentially what supermassive did was they created this, uh, anthology, uh, 
collection concept called the dark pictures. And the first entry in that is called man of Medan. And it is a ghost ship story. So it's, it's got like all the flavor of like a B movie horror suspense it's got like a prologue set during world war ii about how this ship maybe things had happened and then you catch up with um four younger younger kids you know a boyfriend and a girlfriend and the girlfriend's brother and the boyfriend's brother and you know they all have their personalities and they have a um uh a, the the reluctant captain is she's like just trying to make make ends meet and so she's just kind of sucked along and then there's pirates and you, but like pirates in the in the like you know more modern sense um if you if you looked at until dawn and said no thank you man man of medan is not going to change your opinion if you liked until dawn i think man of medan is worth checking out but it's not nearly as good as until dawn i think it okay. it it falls short in it, its um, its ability to kind of like tell a complete and satisfying story. Um, I think there's a little too much reliance on um, trying to give you the illusion of your choices, like impacting how, where the story goes. Like Until Dawn had a lot more characters; it was longer it felt like you could kind of lose some of those characters early on this. It feels like there are certain crucial moments where it's like, okay, this is, this is where I could have lost. So-and-so this Mm. is where I could have lost so-and-so. And I didn't really see any other point where they were in true danger. Um, right. And so I think that that's kind of like one of its shortcomings, the, but the, the graphics are really well done. The like mood is really well done. It's a really cool concept. Uh, I I just wish it would have been stronger. They're making another yeah. one. <laughs> when you beat the game, they basically give you a trailer for the next one, um, which is completely independent of this one. So it's like, it seems like they just took the time to, to you know, set up this like process of like, here's our engine that we're going to work with and here's all that stuff. And we're just going to maybe put out one a year. I don't know. Cool. Um. But yeah, it's it, I really liked Until Dawn and I was kind of disappointed with this one, but it had good moments as well. Yeah, well, this next game that I, I would love to spend some time with, but I think maybe you've just started. Uh, my copy is not here yet. It's coming via Gamefly. Um, another potential game of the year contender coming out here in this um, August, September window. You've put a little time into Astral Chain? A little bit. A yeah, bit. a little bit, a little bit of time into Astral Chain. I uh, got my code this morning. Um, I downloaded it. I played a little bit. Um, very anime, uh, maybe a little more anime than uh, like Near Automata was. Um, I was a huge fan of Platinum Games' work on Near Automata. Yeah, um, they've they've kind of been hit or miss for me. Um, I think more hits than misses, but uh, coming off of Near Automata, I was like, wow, these guys they're on something else and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to kind of follow, follow them for at least a few games. And people had said Astral Chain was really good. So I checked it out. Yeah. I think, I think the story stuff um, so far that I've seen the character interaction, it's very, it's got a lot of the like helium voice characters and like, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a character that's dressed like a giant bear, and is it, that's not for me. How's um, the but the combat, combat is yeah, is it more the combat is really or solid, is it more near because I feel like it's, they were a little different there. Um, it's it's a little more um bayonetta. It's a it's so what what you're doing or what my character is doing is like you're basically you have like these mech suits that you summon to sort of fight alongside you. Okay. As you're fighting. So you're doing, there's, there's all kinds of terminology. I'm just not like well suited. I don't want to like start calling things, things. And no, this and is, this is a preview. You spent a little bit of time with the game, but I know I haven't yeah. touched it yet. So, and I know next week I'm but, also going to be playing some basically gears at the, some point. The, yeah. The way you would see it is like, you are you are attacking an enemy and then these mech suits sort of appear alongside you and they do more flourishy stylistic attacks um and kind of like embellish the attack in that signature platinum way so it's it's more um it's more bayonetta in that way of you know like when she would just kind of she just hit people a little bit and then her boots and stuff would yeah, turn into hair, hair and all that in, yeah you know, so it's like turn take all what you would see like her hair do and add cool mech like things um, this- yeah the combat is the combat solid i just yeah i didn't spend enough time with it to be able to say like how engaging it is long term but the weird thing about near automata is i wasn't really sold on it to begin with and then i spent like 60 hours playing it and by the end i was like what was wrong with me early on so yeah it became a very different game i'm surprised that i I know this isn't a stealth launch but it almost feels that way versus what we've heard and seen about bayonetta 3 right where it's like here's this franchise that was chugging along was has been beloved well reviewed they announced a switch exclusive sequel to it and that's kind of been mums the word and here comes astral chain carrying the torch instead um yeah yeah I, I almost i almost wonder if astral chain was was platinum games kind of being allowed to go on its own and bayonetta nintendo is more involved with you know nintendo's hmm. letting the nintendo touch happen where it's like we take the time and and astral chain is more um moving at at a pace that is more comfortable for platinum you know like Right. Nintendo understands that Bayonetta has a lot of expectations and needs to be perfect. Whereas Astro, not to say that Astral Chain couldn't be perfect, but it it has some things that maybe are very niche or very like stylized in the sense of like certain people are going to see this game um, and say no, thank you. Um, right. Versus Bayonetta, maybe they they want to try and broaden it i don't know bayonetta was very niche too so it's hard to say yeah it's hard to say why bayonetta was not the next game to come out from them especially since they're both switch games both switch games anything else you want to talk about on your playlist sir um blair witch is better than you might think if you've played the bloober team games uh um the layers of fear and layers of fear 2 uh blair witch is is better than those i was not a big fan so I would highly recommend uh, if you were digging the idea of a Blair Witch game, I would highly recommend it. If you were like, no, nah, I'm good. It's it's not going to change your mind. Yeah. OK. And that, yeah, that's it. We're, we'll talk about the uh, the other game in your games. 
Okay. Okay. Well, we well, don't yeah, have we to. We don't have to because I'm sure you talked about it a lot. I did talk about it a lot, and I'll keep talking about it. But the first, what I want to start with is uh, Pokemon Masters out now on mobile, iOS, and Android. Uh, I talked about Gears Pop. Uh, I guess it was last week. Um, I have not popped back into that game at all. I, I hear it's doing well, and people seem excited by it um, or engaging with it. It, it. I still have bounced off of it. Um, as a person who has a current uh, round three uh, case of five Pokemon case on their iPhone, um, I, I like the Pokemon. I'm not the biggest Poke head around, but uh, I am a fan. And I was excited about Masters. And it is, I think, a very interesting side game in the Pokemon universe. It is definitely a side game. It is not trying to be, you know, Sun and Moon or Sword and Shield or anything along those lines. Um, but it also isn't Pokemon Go, where uh, you're just kind of going around. You know, it's not AR-based at all. It's a Pokemon game where you are um, synced to a Pokemon. You are not collecting all of the Pokemon. That doesn't change. And it's 3v3 v battles done in real time, which I, did. <laughs> I didn't read much about it going into it. Because I was like, oh, I know I'm going to play it. It's free to play. I'll download it and try it. In the first battle, like I'd made my first attack and then I was sitting there and I was like, when do I get to go again? I was like, I feel like these other, they're going so many times. I was like, oh, I can just go weird. Like there's a little gauge at the bottom that refills over time and some attacks, you know, take, you have to wait for it to fill up two bars versus one bar, but you have your three Pokemon or your, your th- you know, it's three people, uh, trainers with their one Pokemon that are on your team and you can change your, your, your team as you kind of progress. And you're just swapping between those people to try to do, you know, this is a, you know, the rock, paper, scissors, right? Of like, this is strong against this. And that's all outlined very clearly when you're going into battle someone. And even on the screen in battle showing you, oh, they're weak to electricity. So I'm going to be doing Pikachu or whatever it is. And that ball is not hidden in any way, shape or form. When you are selecting the three trainers and their corresponding Pokemon you want to have on your team, when you're going into a fight, if you have something that is strong against the other Pokemon's weakness in that character select screen before you go into battle, like your outline is framed and like lit up in that color. Um, so it, it very much shows you that. And I was really engaged with the real-time combat for a little bit until I realized that there's just an auto button up top. And then also next to the auto button, there's like a do it faster button. And I found myself just doing that like basically you know madden or nba simming the games and then as i reduced it to that i was like what am i doing (laughs) like what is this game if if that seems to be going well enough for me that it's not strategy of the battle where something like you know octopath or i guess it's another turn-based game but where your strategy matters in more than just i set up my team to um rock beat scissors uh, and then I press go. Um, I, I found myself examining what the game is, and I feel like it still is got to catch them all, except it's not pocket monsters. It's the masters. You're just trying to build your collection of masters to have the three star, four star, five star version of these characters, you know, from the various games and the anime and stuff like that to then go and auto battle. Uh, and I, so I haven't, 
toyed much outside of the kind of main campaign and kind of the side missions. But when I started viewing it like that, it felt very reductive to me or something that I was very excited about at first. I started to feel like, oh, this is just trying to get me to monetize, to spend, to get my guys, my masters, and then to upgrade them. And then to, I don't know what I do with them. Yeah. So I, I started off very high on it. I've since cooled a little bit. But the production value, I think, is really cool. You can do sync battles uh, or sync moves as you um, they charge over time. And the, the animated flourish of that is really, really neat. I think it was kind of like when you battled Team Rocket in uh, Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Like those little cartoon flourishes really, I think, sell the aesthetic and the appeal. And Pokemon Masters has that in spades. Um, so I think it's worth checking out, but be wary of uh, the monetization, yeah. which I think is true in almost every free-to-play mobile game. It, it does seem like Nintendo stepped in a little bit here. There are reminders of like, hey, this game is free, but we're going to ask you to spend money. Like it's, you know, pretty obvious. It's in, in text that I wouldn't say is like 10-year-old kid-friendly, but, you know, it's there. You can set a spend limit um, where I think if you if you have an addiction problem, I don't know if that will help per se, but... They can say like, hey man, you've spent you know 500 gems today. You've hit your limit. That pop-up will remind you, which I think is a nice step in kind of managing this stuff. Um, you can get new masters uh, out in the world and, and through challenges or whatever. You can also go do this thing, sync scouting, which is essentially a gotcha pack. It makes it look like it's like reading what other masters are around you and then like oh you've recruited them but it's it, it appears and from what i understand it's just an rng um mechanic and the odds are um abysmal of of getting what you actually want everything you get can be used to some for something like what if you get a duplicate it can you know you whatever it is break it down to add a thing to the one that you have and but that is a slow progression it seems um so go in buyer beware is what I would say. Um, but if you love Pokemon and you like Pokemon the way I do, I think this is a, an interesting um, experience that seems to be either one very time intensive or be very expensive to quote finish. Um, but I think my approach with it now is I'm not going to finish it, but instead of scrolling through Twitter, I will jump into it for two minutes and move on. <laughs> and then and then move on yeah. from there did you do, download it at do, all no i've i i just couldn't no, i, I couldn't uh i couldn't get it like i did the pokemon go and then i got into the harry potter yeah um and i know this this game is not trying to like replicate that experience but i'd spent too much time in those two games and letting them kind of I don't know what the best way to describe it. It confused me and make me not think that they were kind of uh, the machinations were working against me that I just yeah needed to take a break and not, not be fooled and not be thinking because Harry Potter more so than Pokemon go has a lot of things that are appealing up front. And then you start to like mm -hmm. ask questions and go. Uh... So yeah, I, it seems like similar thing here of like you, the promise of certain things will keep you playing until you stop and go, I haven't got any of the things I wanted in a, in a while or at all. Or what are the things I want? Like what are they? Yeah, or what are the things <laughs> I want? Yeah. Uh, what's worth it? 
yeah that type of stuff so it yeah it just maybe i'll dabble in it uh, i think that mobile games are certainly not not evil um but they all have some sort of thing motivating them to do stuff that maybe isn't uh, the best. Now I just have Tiffany Haddish's Lego Movie Two song stuck in my head, though. So not evil, not evil. Um, <laughs> speaking of asking questions, the other game I've been playing—I've been playing it on my iPad, Telling Lies, which is Sam Barlow's new game, creator of Her Story and Silent Hill: Shattered Memories. But I think more importantly for this, Her Story, which is a, well, a full motion video experience game where you are in a uh, police station trying to determine what happened telling lies um i am not super deep into it maybe an hour or so um but it can builds on that and it, it feels like it, it blows that up in really interesting ways where you are reviewing i guess stolen or illegally obtained or questionably obtain, obtained like nsa footage of people talking to their webcams it seems like there's maybe four main characters at this point and you're trying to figure out what happened or to to clear yourself what i liked about her story and what my goal was with telling lies is to not know much about it um because i kind of like the way the story unfolds and it's really well done when it opens you see a little bit of an opening cinematic uh where your character comes in and plugs a hard drive into a computer and then from there um, my iPad screen, but your computer screen kind of becomes this new OS. And there's very limited things that you can click on or do. And one is a text file that explains like what this OS is. It's like, don't worry. It's running on top of the computer. It's traceless. You're not affecting anything on your computer for real. Um, but you know, here it is. Here's this drive, blah, blah, blah. You click on another text file. It explains like, Hey, I got these files for you. Um, you know, they're going to find you. They're going to arrest you. You got to, you I know why you want them. It's clear to me that you, why you're interested in this, but you, you better be quick or you, you know, you better figure this out because they're going to, they're going to find out that you wanted these as well. And then you can see your character. Um, uh, oh, what's her name? The actor from Halt and Catch Fire. Um, oh, poop. Not sure. It escaped me. If, if someone, you can Google it. I know Logan Marshall Green uh, is in it, but that's all I know. Yeah, <laughs> but so you see her face reflecting in like this as if, you know, when you're sitting at a computer, kind of the black mirror or whatever. And I think it's 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 interesting. It's nuanced. It's not overdone. So it's not distracting, but it's just enough, I think, to remind you or to remind me of the role I'm playing. It helps bring me in that like, oh, I am this woman. This is her trying to figure this stuff out and not me just kind of being a voyeur. It's like I am engaged in this story. And it's really well done. You can, you know, scrub through the stuff, subtitles on, click on the word that becomes your next, you can click on a, a word that's transcribed to have that be your next search term to pull up clips that correspond to that and kind of the way it handles Boolean searching. And you, you like, you search for like um, traffic or whatever. And it'll say, oh, there's 20 results, but it can only show you five at a time. So it's like, okay, you know traffic comes up and other stuff, but these are the five that are being surfaced. So you're going to watch them. Then you have a notepad. I'm taking notes, <laughs> you know, like I'm just following yeah. threads. At this point, I have no clue what's happening, but I'm captivated by the performances. And to me, that's a huge win. It's, it's full motion video, really well acted, captivating. And I, I, I don't know what it is yet, the story, 
but I want to find yeah. out. And I think that's a I, win I think, for this kind of game. I think one of the daunting things, because I was really intrigued by it, and then one of the daunting things was I saw one person on Twitter with like a notepad and a bunch of things scribbled, yeah. and all the replies were pictures of these people's notepads. And I was like, I don't know if I'm... Re- yeah. You always think like, oh, that's exciting. I thought that was exciting like when Fez came out, and then I was just like, yeah, nah, nah, it's not for me. But... How so? So if I didn't take notes, and I just was okay with making like awkward choices, I don't know. Do you think I could still get through it, or do you think it it is essential that you? I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through it taking Fair notes. Enough. Okay. Like I, I don't know what I'm looking for yet. <laughs> like last night, I just started watching, and it's like I started following like a thread about police and banks. Okay, and that's I it. don't know. Right. It's very fascinating. I don't want to talk too much about what I learned because sure, you know, whatever. Enough. But it's uh, it's fascinating. I, I think I paid six bucks for it on iOS on iPad. Um, I recommend it. Maybe that will change yeah. after I spend five hours and I don't know what I'm doing, but I recommend it. It's cool. it's it's interesting. It's very compelling. Um, also compelling. Uh, I'm very close to the end of Control. Uh. I had a gameplay experience the other night that cemented it. Again, I haven't finished it yet, so maybe the very, very end will turn. But the, an experience I had last night, um, you know, my list of top five all-time favorite games is probably like 100 games, but this game is on it. Okay. This, this game, game is on it. Is on it. I I know you've played a, a little bit or um, a lot of it. I played a little bit. Um, I, w- I was... Okay. I was digging into it so i played i played it uh the code came in to to a reviewer and we were lucky enough to get two so i was like i have to know um because there was a lot of mystery surrounding it you know the uh Mm -hmm. i don't want to get too inside baseball but you know the the pr was suggesting that there were secrets that and that always intrigues me um just because I like to be part of a conversation and I like games that people say are surprising for whatever reason. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I messed around with a few hours of it and I was digging it. The only thing that I'm just not a big fan of is I don't think that the shooting's very good. Oh, get out of here. It's so mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I don't think I'm alone in this. I don't think I'm alone in this, okay. but yeah, I don't feel like uh, the, sh- the shooting mechanics are are that good and i remember alan wakes being pretty awesome so yeah i think i think this is the best shooting mechanics since max Payne, or maybe right up there with max Payne, where i find myself juggling um throwing objects dashing around levitating over um like realizing that no one has a height advantage over me really like oh they have the higher ground Mm -hmm. oh wait no they don't not when i have this fire extinguisher and i can you know fly up to them throw that gas in area, then shoot and, you know, yeah. change my um, service weapon to better represent the type of combat experience I'm going to be getting, getting into. Yeah. I, I really like the, the, the combat and the shooting. Yeah. I, well, I don't think that the combat as a whole is bad or, or I, I don't think the shooting is awful. It just doesn't feel snappy and precise huh. and at, at the level that, um, maybe it's because I was playing a different third person shooter at the same time. And I just, they're two different experiences and I just couldn't 
resolve them being different. But yeah, I, I don't think I'm if if you're out there and you're playing control and you agree with me, hit me up on Twitter <laughs> and say I agree with you because I don't feel like I'm alone in this, but I can only go based on you and you and I always have different feelings about many different aspects of games. We often do. What are you playing on? Uh, I am playing on PS4 Pro. Okay. And I, I have heard that the console versions maybe suffer and I guess PS4 base is, is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm keeping that independent of any slowdown that I've experienced. Okay. Just, just like raw, no frame dips. Yeah. I don't think that the combat is, huh. I don't, maybe I go in expecting too much of like just being able to hit my headshots and I need to just like accept that I'm more going to be body shot. I don't know. Interesting. Maybe it's, maybe you're feeling different because you have mouse and keyboard. I don't know. I'm playing with a controller. Okay. Then I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I can't be alone. Somebody well, out know. there. Yeah. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. DSL feedback, DLC feedback at gmail.com. Um, certainly works uh, for that. Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, I I I am. I do think it's a great game. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just like pop in and say like, here's the thing I don't <laughs> like, and I don't like it. Uh, there are so many things I enjoy about the game, not the least of which is those title cards are awesome. They are awesome. Yeah, you don't want to dash through the door and say you don't like a game and then dash out. We're gonna be get talking about a quick question here in a second. Before we do, I want to thank our second sponsor, DoorDash. Um, are are you in the middle of, you know, are you, are you trying to finish control to talk about it before you record DLC, but you didn't. And so you still quite haven't finished it, but you're also hungry and you can't leave because you're trying to finish this game and you want to eat something good. You don't want to just like shove whatever you find next to you in your mouth, because that, one, that's probably not food Two, why settle for whatever you have next to you when you can get something delicious, you can have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash, right? Uh, your sweatpants are on for the day. You don't want to just microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. DoorDash, restaurant quality food with living room dress code. So, uh, you know, you're, you're staying at work late. You're grinding it out. You, you can still eat. Take time to eat. You'll be better at getting done what you need to get done if you take the time to eat and eat something delicious. DoorDash can help you get your next meal from your favorite restaurant in minutes. It connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite also. Door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada. You can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash, and right now, you can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code DLC. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code DLC. Don't forget, promo code DLC for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Do it. Beat the game. Have delicious food come to you. Okay, so we haven't done quick questions on the show in a while, and I want to bring it back um i want to bring them back and you can email dlcfeedback at gmail.com with your quick questions you can also um a great there's a great sticky thread that has kind of been dormant because we haven't nurtured it on the show but if you head over to our subreddit five by five dlc r slash five by five dlc 
um, head over there, jump into that sticky thread and add your quick question. Uh, We're going to do one tonight, Anthony, and this one was actually emailed. And what I like about it is that uh, Hank followed up with an earlier quick question, resurfacing it. And I think it's, it's great now. Um, I, I would, it was great back when Hank first sent it, but it works really well. So here's the question. Forwarding and revisiting a quick question I submitted all the way back in April 2017 after a recent comment about having to put years after games, such as Doom 2016 and Modern Warfare 2019, which I believe we talked about in episode 301, where I talked about my time with um, the Modern Warfare 2v2 Alpha. Hank says, I'd still like to see the question addressed as well as a return in general of the quick question segment. Hank, you are in luck, my friend. This is it. Hoping for the best for Jeff with his procedure this morning in recovery. I know you likely won't see this, Jeff, or if you do, it'll be in the future, but I am sending my uh, heathen version of thoughts and prayers to you. So Jeff, hope you're enjoying this episode of DLC. If I mess that up too much, um, sorry. <laughs> uh, so now to Hank's question. Hank, that's very nice. Thank you for sending this. Hey, oh, also, hey guys, really enjoy the show. Question. Everyone knows, for, so this is a question, a resurfaced question from April 2017 that as we talked about Anthony with Aladdin and Lion King and insert game here is still very much relevant. Everyone knows that for the last 10 to 15 years, movie reboots have been a huge moneymaker for the film industry despite some recent backlash. Reboots aren't unheard of in video games, but they have been much rarer, especially when compared to sequels, expansions, and DLC. Modern successful video game reboots include Tomb Raider and Doom, with the promising Ray reboot coming out this year, again 2017. Do you want to see more game reboots, and why or why not? I tried to be concise, but I feel like the context makes it a meteor question. Feel free to reword. I will not, Hank. I will not reword. Thanks. So, Anthony Taramina, do you want to see more reboots? Or is it just like a remake or a port Uh -uh. okay? Or do you want new... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I get this question a lot. <laughs> well, not question, but I get uh, in streaming and put- people just drive by your house <laughs> and they're like, "Do you want a reboot?" <laughs> just like I get the general sense that a lot of gamers like to live in the past, or I don't know if that's the fair way. As I'm surrounded by my Genesis games and yeah, my Mega I, SG, I, I do not know what you're talking about. I just here's my here's my thinking about it. Just my response to that is. Think about like the developers that are making that game or being devoting time towards that game and what they could be doing instead. So, but what if it's Doom 2016? What a great reboot. I get it, but do I think Doom is a different I think Doom is a different situation because there is because that's a it's, reboot it's almost not a like they're just right? they're, they started well fresh. yeah but it but it's almost like they're just making another doom game hmm. like it, it's not to me it reads differently or it reads the same as like infinity ward making the next game like making another modern warfare reboot tomb raider, they weren't going to make anything else <laughs> it's true <laughs> so to, tomb raider similar idea it's the the people that made tomb raider but just it, rebooting tomb raider right but it's a reboot it, it, it wasn't as if it's like correct, james but, bond whatever it exists in space alongside c- of- c- certainly yes but what i i guess 
it, it's more the, the perspective of like, think about what Square Enix or that Final Fantasy team could be making if they weren't devoting their time to just making Final Fantasy seven again. They'd be making Final Seven, Final Fantasy fourteen, even better. Apparently, because <laughs> each time they work on it, well, it gets better. I, sure, but I don't know. It's like think about but that's people a, that are saying, "Well, I want not, I want Naughty Dog to make another Jack and Daxter." But instead of making another Jack and Daxter or a Jack and Daxter reboot, we got Uncharted and we got Last of Us. And what if instead of Last of Us? one of your favorite games Never heard of you it. had gotten a jack and daxter reboot can't we have you know like that's my can't me- we have both but we can't have both because th- the game development industry is so expensive and it takes so much time to like it's not like a movie or or anything like that to do these reboots well and to do these remakes well time is necessary and that time in my opinion could be devoted to original stuff that I mean, even if it is a sequel, I would much rather that than like. I would much rather Nintendo make more Zelda, new Zelda, like Breath of the Wild or or what have you, than devote resources to making Ocarina of Time with HD. You could just say Link's Awakening, I think is what you meant to say. Well, no, 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 I'm saying like <laughs> there are so many people that are saying, you know, would say, oh, oh man, I can't wait. I want them to make. But that's not a reboot, right? That's just know, an up-res. Sure, but I, I, so I don't can, know. Let, I, I look let at me it propose, from, this is my check move. And I don't know if it's checkmate or not, but this is, so I, I like this, Hank. I, well, your question, when you phrase it to me, you said reboots and remakes and other yeah, I expanded Hank's question. Questions. Hank just kind of talked about reboots in general, and he mentions He said, feel free to reword it, and you said you wouldn't, and then you reworded it. So. I quit rebooting this question. Uh, <laughs> my counterpoint, or I guess the thing that I think, that I think bleh, supports this is um, Insomniac, and Ratchet and Clank was incredible on PlayStation 4, and whether that is a yeah. reboot or a re-release or whatever you call that, I've called it a reboot of that franchise. I thought it was great, but we also got Spider-Man. Yes, but we could have maybe got Spider-Man sooner. We could be on Spider-Man too. <laughs> is my counter okay. is my counterpoint okay. to that. Like I don't know. Okay. I, you know, you're totally fine buying Genesis games, for example, and playing those games as they were originally played. You don't look at those and say, oh, well, I wish somebody would reboot this and do it again or do you sometimes i think i want i want a good game right and so this is kind of the easy way out where if using an existing ip and rebooting it and hopefully keeping some of the key characteristics of what made that franchise that franchise are able to help springboard developers and she can make like a better game than you know they have this incredible vision for this game then I'm all for that because I understand the recognition that an IP can bring and how it can make it a more successful product. Um, and you know, somewhere in the marketplace, I, I love new IP. I, I, you know, you mentioned the last of us. I, you know, I love new IP. I, I wouldn't want naughty dog to just have rebooted uncharted after doing four uncharted. And then now we're rebooting it and starting again. Um, but I think doom 2016 was one of the best years, one of the best years of the game. Uh, one of the best games of the year. And so I think if you can look to a franchise and kind of see 
its core, what its essence is, and find a way to do a fresh approach on that, I would like to free up developers to start the canon over again and not feel constrained to be like, oh, I'm now making Tomb Raider 22. Sure. Like, yeah, start again. I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, and and I, I feel like for every game where I say, you know, I would love them to be working on something, we get like a God of War level reboot where it, it almost feels. But... Yeah. Great example. What if Sony Santa Monica had just been able to make something different? You know, like that's always <laughs> that's I think that there's a stigma in movies where everything wants to, everybody or most fans want things to exist where when they were. You know, you don't want anybody to reboot Back to the Future or, you know, reboot any of these things. Mm. There's more of a uh, resistance to that. Whereas in gaming, there's so much of a advancement in technology that people just want to see the same games again. And we get so few original, like think about, well, or, or they, but it's a way to play those games again. So yes, old, older people revisiting them, but for new people to experience it more like my kids can watch back to the future easily. Um, yeah, they can't play some of my favorite games. Yes. But I, I think if you said, to a lot of people, would you rather have Final Fantasy VII remade with HD graphics or Final Fantasy sixteen? People would say Final Fantasy VII remade. And yeah, that's a bummer to me because I'd like to see them, you know, move forward and do the next thing. You know, what if they rebooted and did Final <laughs> Fantasy one? Oh, my God, that would be. <laughs> that would just be pure madness. Start again, but just yeah, start it's again. Just, I can't, I can't get on board with it just because I want to believe in the artist's ability to create new IP. I know the industry works against that, and almost every game that is coming out this year is a sequel or a reboot or whatever. And original properties are so hard to come by, but. I just look at it from well, we talked about we talked about three on this show control astral chain um, and uh, remnant correct that's it, true I 100% true also um, those are maybe from developers that have a little more freedom versus like hmm. a I don't know a insomniac insomniac has has taken risks and things like that and when Sony bought Insomniac, was your first thought not okay? What if they made another Resistance? I would. Oh, I would love another Resistance. But that's what I'd I'm love saying. For them to like that, that is the men- <laughs> that is where people's minds go to. But it's like, well, what you should be saying? Oh man, I can't wait to see what new thing. But yeah, everybody's mind goes, oh man, they're together. Resistance. Resistance Four, Three was real good. Rebooted. So, yeah, it's that it's that mentality that's just, I think, so backwards to me because it doesn't encourage the experimentation that has given us games like Bioshock and Control and, you know, these these properties that eventually, yes, get sequelized. And and, you know, you look at Naughty Dog, Naughty Dog took a risk. They made Last of Us. And now many people consider Last of Us a better franchise than Uncharted. 
and what what would have happened if they just had been the uncharted studio or are still the uncharted studio yeah um yeah good point so that that yeah that's all that's just ultimately the way i look at it is anytime i hear the words reboot remake remaster or whatever i get it i know that there's a huge demand and a huge market for it and a fan yeah, base but <laughs> i also think about the trade-off and the time that's going to be necessary to make that reboot and what we could have gotten sure. instead. Maybe it would, maybe it would have been bad or worse than whatever the game that comes out. And I think there's like, you've, you've, you know, set as examples, plenty of game reboots, doom and tomb Raider that have been really good and completely kind of revitalized a franchise, but you almost wonder, what if somebody had just come to them and said, you've had success doing this stuff. What do you want to do? Cause we've seen lots of developers get off their train of franchises, guerrilla games, for example. Um, we're going to see what, what uh sucker punch does with ghost of Tsushima. Like they get off their train and then they say, look, here's our creativity being let to flourish. And they give us an even better game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, you make a good point. I think, um, I like the reboot, but I understand what you're saying. I, I, I like, uh, I understand what you're saying, and I, I like Hank for sending this in and for resurfacing it because I think it is an interesting discussion. Um, and if you have things you want to send our way, dlcfeedback at gmail dot com, or again, hop over to the subreddit. You can find r slash five by five DLC and chime in there. Keep that conversation going. Um, something that we're not going to reboot or change is that we have our parting gift coming up. But Anthony Taramina, um, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me this week. I really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Where can people uh, keep up with your um, your work this week and what's going on? Uh, well, you can always follow the work that I have some hand in, sometimes writing, sometimes editing, sometimes just letting the wonderful people I work with do their thing. Um, and I get a little bit of credit for it, uh, at gamerant.com. Uh, I am editor in chief there. Uh, we cover a wide variety of video game topics. We try and, uh, you know, speaking of what we were talking about earlier, we try and let the, the readers make the discussion and make the conversation. So uh, that is, what we've been doing around these different stories and, and there've been some other things that have happened recently related to uh, dragon ball Z that we're, we're trying to remain objective, but yes, yes uh, it was a good opportunity for me to uh, speak personally and, and get some feelings out because I have been kind of staying quiet in, in, in addition to that, you can follow me on Twitter at Aunt Tormina, A N T A O R M I N A. That is where if you enjoy, if you did not think that the control shooting is very good, you could say you are right. <laughs> um, we won't create any sort of hashtag. You can just, I just want somebody to back me up here. So I don't feel like I'm out on an island. Um, okay. but those are, yeah, those are the two places. Gamerant.com and follow me on Twitter. Uh, we can hang out. I talk about video game stuff. Cool. You can find me on Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R um, for these next couple shows i'm not sure if i will or not but um typically look to try to stream this show on my twitch which is twitch.tv slash christian spicer so you can um 
before I sign my exclusive deal with whoever wants to pay the most, <laughs> watch out. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the highest bidder for my streaming talents. Um, that's twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And uh, with that uh, done and done, uh, Anthony, do you have something uh, that you can recommend for the listeners that perhaps isn't a video game to help get them through the week? I sure do. Uh, so I had asked you previously whether you had talked about it and you said you hadn't. So I want to recommend both the uh, House of X and Powers of X comic book series. They're kind of, they run hand in hand. Um, for anybody that maybe isn't familiar, it's uh, it's essentially the precursor to a total reboot of uh, X-Men. For it's called Marvel. Marvel Got the Film Rights Back to X-Men basically yeah so we're it's, making it important again <laughs> yeah they're they're building towards like a total relaunch some of their main uh x-men properties were canceled some are still going and and spinoffs and things but so these two books are working in tandem they are doing some crazy things it's written by jonathan hickman who uh previously worked uh for marvel and did the secret wars arc for them so he has a history of doing stuff that people really like and these comics are they have incredible art the storytelling is inventive it's bold it's got um challenging concepts it's not just like you know a straightforward comic book storyline it's got a lot going on i don't really want to say too much um because we're now three issues into both house of X and powers of X. So we're like halfway through. So I don't really want to like kind of taint your assumptions about it, but I highly recommend just give um, house of X a read. And then the first issue of powers of X a read. And if you aren't hooked by then it's not going to do anything for you, but I think you'll be drawn in. It's really, really well done. And it is, I think the Marvel event going on for this year. Very cool. I'd like people to check out a book that I have just started, but I was very excited to start. I'm listening to the audio book version of it. It's called invisible women data bias in a world designed for men. Um, You know, maybe a third of the way through it's by Carolyn Perez. um, But I, I would call it essential reading and or listening and just paints a picture of the world that I would say is accurate and one that we don't consider enough of how many things um, we get wrong because we use the default view as being male. And she presents um, really compelling arguments and data to support um, her thesis. It's, It's fascinating. Invisible women, data bias in a world designed for men. Um, Anthony Taramina, thank you so much. Uh, to yeah, everyone who you. makes our bumpers, um, of course, uh, Patrick Al, Sean Madigan, Zero Star. Thank you all. I know that I they are when unused. You know, uh, Jeff loves those bumpers so much that it doesn't doesn't necessarily feel right to me to use them while he is recovering. Um, and I want to thank you, Jeff Kanata, for downloading and listening to this episode um, of the show. Your keyword for this episode, so I know you listen to it, is Turkey. Um, I we love you, ask Jeff. You about that later. We do. Uh, feel better, get better. Um, it's not the same without you, but we are doing our best. And thank you for downloading and listening to this show. Our geeks and sneaks, we're out there working out and um, 
Thank you for telling people about the show. Positive views on iTunes, or I guess Apple Podcasts, I should say, and all that. Um, with that said, um, it, I'm, I'm not Jeff saying it, but I still think it rings true. Think about what you put into the world and make it a better place.